Thanks for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. We pray that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith in Jesus. We are happy to provide this resource to you, but as you know, this alone cannot meet the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we hope you'll be able to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you're not in the area, give us a call and we'll do our best to help you find a good church to visit. For now, here is this week's message. Good morning and happy Thanksgiving. So I, I, I wasn't going to say this, but a couple weeks ago when Pastor Brian and I were talking about the sermon for today, he said, well, we're either going to be on lust or divorce or giving oaths in the book of Matthew. And I said, well, I'll be not preaching from the book of Matthew. Those are your sermons. So uh, this morning we're taking a bit of a diversion, commercial interruption. And uh, as he, as Brian referred to it, I, I'm preaching what he referred to as a softball sermon, I think is what he called it. So, but if you've ever seen women's softball, that's some serious speed coming at you, right? So I'll take the softball sermon. But uh, if you are worshiping with us for the first time today or the first time in a long time, um, just welcome. We're glad you're here today. And if you uh, are disappointed that you don't have Pastor Brian, he'll be back next week, but he's enjoying his time with his family this weekend. Um, so we just got done eating a lot. How many of you ate way too much? Your Prilosec came out, of the, right? Or Tagamet or whatever it is you do. Tums. It's a good holiday, isn't it? Like we get an entire holiday focused on family, food, and th- giving thanks. That's a, good, that's a good day, right? I've got my whole crew here this morning. I'm not going to embarrass them, but uh, it's been a good, good holiday for us as well, just to have all of our family together. I read this week that uh, this weekend in particular is the weekend that turkeys are most thankful <laughs> because Thanksgiving is over. And so as uh, we get into the subject of giving thanks, I thought, you know, maybe it'd be good for us to be a bit more like turkeys today. So maybe you look at somebody and say, be a turkey today. You can go ahead and say it to somebody if you want. But in all seriousness, um, even though we pause to give thanks, the reality is some of us are quite accustomed to living a life not of gratitude, living a life of complaining, um, we, we, are, we sometimes, I think, even live life a bit like that kid that gets black socks on Christmas Day. You open it up and you're like, great, I got socks. And then your mom whispers in your ear, say thank you to grandma. And you're like, thanks, grandma. But in reality, you wanted the red truck. You didn't want black socks, but you didn't get the red truck. Either way... Our lives, whether we get, got black socks or got the red truck, are to be lived as a demonstration of gratitude. If we really believe Jesus is king over everything, he reigns forevermore, he's over everything, literally every good thing and every bad thing in your life. And if that's true, and we believe that, that is not just the confession of our lips, but it's the confession of our heart. Whatever God gives us, We used to sing a song, blessed be your name and the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in this offering, Lord, I'm gonna bless your name, something to that effect. 
And if that's truly not just words we sing, but the attitude of our heart, then whatever comes at us, we can give thanks. I have a favorite TV show, uh, or a couple, but one in particular called Alone. Anybody like this TV show, Alone? Yeah, I figured that, thank you. I've got two, two, two like-minded people in the crowd. So I know why you, the rest of you don't like it, because in the show, you take, they take 10 people, and they drop them off in 10 different locations in the middle of nowhere. They don't even have a camera crew. They carry their own cameras. And these aren't like any old kind of places. These are like where there are black bears that kill people and wolverines, not like the guy with the, you know, the things that come out of his hand, but like the real animal. In case you didn't know, there's a real animal called that. Um, and, and all kinds of other things that will kill you if you don't kill them first. And they drop these 10 people off in 10 different locations and whoever survives out there the longest wins the prize. How many of you would sign up for this? Yeah, see, that's why you don't watch the show. Yeah, a few of us, insane people. Like, I watch this, and I, 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 like, imagine, like, that would be awesome until that first bear snuck up behind my tent, or not a tent, because they don't have tents, snuck up behind where I was sleeping at 2 a.m., and you can't see them, but they can smell you, right? And you're thinking, I, this is not a good thing, but this is one of the things about the show to me that's most magnificent. These individuals oftentimes have been out there for 30 days, 60 days. They are, they've lost so much weight. They're starving to death and they catch a rabbit. And with tears streaming out of their face, sometimes they're going, thank you, rabbit. Thank you so much for living your life and losing your life for me to be able to survive. And I don't think any of us did that around that turkey this week. Did we? We, we, we are fat and sassy, as I heard a preacher years ago say. We, we are very well fed. We are very comfortable in our lives. And because of that, we do not give thanks quite at the level that we would if we were stuck somewhere in the middle of nowhere. But the, you realize these people, they don't have salt and pepper to put on that, that, that rabbit. They don't have peanut oil to boil it in. They don't have any of the things that make stuff taste like amazing. But they eat it and their hearts are full of gratitude. And they're like, oh, this is so good and you're looking at it it's like some charred rat you're thinking really you're grateful for that and they are they really are and so for us I want to today tackle this subject of gratefulness thankfulness um, that the word of God has a lot to say to us about Um, that's so funny I just looked at I have to show you this so in my sermon notes I don't know if you can see there's lots of good text and then I the scripture came out like that I am thankful today for God's word being on this screen. So we're gonna jump in in Luke chapter 17. Oh, (laughs) the trick's on me. (laughs) God, thank you for technology. It makes life so good. (laughs) Thank you, whoever's running slides, you are a blessing. Luke chapter 17, you know, let's stop and pray right now. This This needs some prayer. God, we have hearts full of joy, gratitude, thanksgiving. Um, But God, if we're honest, sometimes we don't. And we want to be challenged by your word today so that we become more like you. That's our prayer. Amen. Luke chapter 17. Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Something you need to know, Samaria is where all of the Jews who had intermarried tended to live. They were referred to as Samaritans. They were considered lesser than in the society. Jesus traveling between Samaria and Galilee, and he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, 
So real quick, did you catch this? They stood at a distance. This is like COVID, right? Only they live with it always, perpetually, always having to keep their social distancing. They call out to Jesus in a loud voice because they can't come near him. And they say, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. You notice that? Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. An act of obedience, they do it, and they head to go see the priests. Brilliant, right there, right? Smart guys. One of them, how many do we start with? Now, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he went to the priest, he then came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now that, that right there is lost on a lot of us, but this is somebody who in the terms of the social class, he is, he's at the bottom. He's living out in a, in a place that most people don't want to live. He's not seen as anybody great in that society. He's been battling with this sickness all his life. He, in faith, goes to show himself to the priest, and when he's healed, he comes back, and Jesus says, we're not all 10 cleansed? And the answer is, yes, they were. Well, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? There are several principles I want to point out today from this, and I'm going to actually have to pull up my phone because I've got a number of things that are not right on this. (laughs) I changed the color on the background this morning and didn't scroll through it. My mistake. Bear with me one quick second because I'm going to need this in a minute. Oh, it did it here too. Will you? I'm gonna. I'm gonna have my wife do something real quick. Will you fix that for me? <laughs> I have reached that golden age. I don't try to do my tech. Uh, yeah. So she's like, I've been fixing stuff for you for how many years now? Twenty six years, almost twenty seven. First principle I want to point out from this: God wants our expression of gratitude. Jesus just asked, weren't 10 healed? And of course 10 were, but only one comes back. Jesus wants us to give thanks. It is the will of God that you be a thankful person. Did you get it figured out yet? She's getting it, all right. So I have to ask this question. Are you, if you're honest with yourself, are you a thankful person? When you get up on Monday morning and you have to get up to go to your job, do you wake up and you say, good day, Lord? Or do you wake up and say, good Lord day? I got to do this job again. Thank you. You're amazing. Awesome. 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 Woohoo. Give her a hand. All right. She is awesome. I don't know what I would do without her. Let me tell you, it would not, it would not be easy. So the question we all need to wrestle with is what, what is our real attitude when it comes to Thanksgiving? I like what uh, C.H. Spurgeon says about this, and all my quotes is what I couldn't read on this. C.H. Spurgeon says this about this story with these 10 men. He says, all 10 were willing to do a religious ceremony, that is to go to the priest. But only one 
was filled with true praise and thanksgiving. And I like this right here because I think this is a challenge for many of us who have gone to church our whole lives. He said, external religious exercises are easy enough. In other words, going to Sunday school, going to church, those are easy enough things to do. But the internal matter, the drawing out of the heart and thankful love, how scarce a thing that is. Nine obey ritual, but only one praises the Lord. Who are you? Who are you if, if the story is you're one of the 10? Our natural human phenomena, our natural inclination because of our sin nature is to be entitled and self-centered. And if you don't believe me, watch a two-year-old in a couple weeks. Christmas will be an entitled kind of self-centered thing. That is unfortunately kind of our natural bend. Jesus tells this man something interesting though, doesn't he? What is it? Go back to, to that previous slide real quick. Jesus ends by telling him this. He says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. That's an important passage that it's easily glossed over. We're all 10 healed. Yes. But Jesus says for this one, there's something extra that happens. He says, your faith has made you well. For the first one, for the, excuse me, for the first, for the, all 10 of them, there is physical healing. But for this one, there's a spiritual transformation that Jesus is referring to. And this goes to our second principle. Our first principle, God wants us to express gratitude. Our second principle, this. Gratitude opens the doorway to greater blessing. Gratitude opens the doorway to greater blessing. Your faith has made you well. There's extra healing for this 10th one though. Our bodies may be healed, but the question we have to ask ourselves is are our hearts gonna also be healed? Jesus sets the tone for his entire ministry showing us the importance of giving thanks. That's our third principle. And I'm gonna come back to this second principle because I think you're gonna see it even more come alive in Jesus' ministry. So this third principle, and I'm, like I said, I'm coming back to two. Jesus shows us the importance of giving thanks. He upholds throughout his ministry the value of giving thanks. Seven times we see Jesus give thanks. Probably most significant is in the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. Before Jesus gives these few loaves and these few fish to the crowd, he stops and he gives thanks. And as he gives thanks, he's not only just demonstrating the value of giving thanks, by doing that, when he's done praying and they begin to distribute, what happens? It multiplies. There's transformation that happens. Gratitude opens the door for more change, for more blessing, for more, more goodness, more food, literally. Jesus expresses this gratitude demonstrating for us that Jesus sees that God is over everything and he is the one. I'm gonna preach directly from my phone because that is not gonna work for me. I'm having to go back and forth. So Jesus gives thanks and he tells us pretty much by his demonstration that we too are to be giving thanks. As Jesus was teaching his disciples about the importance of communion, do you remember what he does? It's amazing to me because as I was studying this passage, I realized how few times I stopped and recognized Jesus giving thanks. I don't know how I missed it. But when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. And when he took the cup 
he had given thanks, he says, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Gives thanks, serves. Gives thanks, serves. That giving thanks is an expression of gratitude that even Jesus recognizes is important. And when he does it, it opens the way for so much more blessing, so much more goodness in our lives. The apostle Paul likewise gives thanks about, am I, no? Jesus did seven times. How many think Paul did? 50 times. And all of the contemporary writings of Paul's day, he is the only one who ever expresses gratitude at the volume of anyone. And of course, if you know anything about the apostle Paul, he was one who was killing Christians and then years later was, was helping people come to know Christ. But Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians, a passage we might know, but we may not appreciate, but this is what Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, rejoice always. You could also change that to say, always rejoice. Pray continually, or always pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. Always give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Always pray, always rejoice, always give thanks. Do you do that? Be honest. Can you say you do that? I can't. Is this impossible? Apart from Christ, it is. (laughs) I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't look at my life and think, I want to just be full of joy and gratitude, and and I don't want to pray about this right now. Which brings us to this next, this is the next uh, principle I want to catch. Joy, prayer, and gratitude are triplets that always travel together. Show me somebody with a heart full of gratitude. They will also be a praying person and a person who has joy. Those things always go together. The Apostle Paul sees this, I don't think, as being impossible, but he does say that this is God's will for you, and if it's God's will for you, then it's also going to take God's power in you to do this. Christians, we need to live our lives recognizing that he calls us to live lives full of continual gratitude. Interestingly, I was reading a a commentator this week who said we are called to give thanks in all circumstances, but we are not called to give thanks for all circumstances. And my first thought was, I agree with that. And then I I got to thinking about it. I'm like, I want to say that somewhere else Paul says to give thanks for all things. And he does. He calls us to sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, continually giving thanks for all things. How do you give thanks for losing your job? A spouse, a child, a reputation. These are not easy things, but these are things we are called to do, to recognize that God is really sovereign over all, even the hard things, even the bad things come through his hand. When we recognize that God is sovereign over all and we trust his wisdom and his care, we can be thankful even we cannot understand his plan and prayerfully seeking his will and his help, the result will be joy. 
will be gratitude. So we are to give thanks in all things, but we are also to give thanks for all things, and that brings us to the next principle. We are to give thanks for everything, the good and the bad. And I can tell you right now, harder than giving thanks continually, giving thanks in all things, for me, is one of the hardest challenges. And this week I was sitting with an elderly gentleman He's in his 70s, has battled with alcoholism and addiction his entire life. Both of his parents were dead by the time he was 13 years old, killed in two separate accidents. And this man said, I am so thankful to God for all that he has given me because it has made me who I am today. And all I could think was, I want to be like you. I told him that. I said, I wish... I wish I was like you in that. A few days later, someone, I was sitting with him and someone came in to give him some used clothes. We were coordinating to get him some clothes because he didn't have any clothes. And someone came in with two pairs of pants, a sweatshirt, a t-shirt, two pairs of underwear, two pairs of socks. And he started sobbing and saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I've been praying for this. And you answered my prayer. You've always answered my prayers. Here's a man who, his life has been hard. But he continues to give thanks. I came across a quote this week and I ended up going back and sharing this with him from a man by the name of Brennan Manning. A lot of times we know Brendan Manning as an author, a Christian author. He's a philosopher. He's written a great deal about suffering. But something else that we often don't talk about with Manning is his own life. Brendan Manning uh, shared in his own struggles since becoming a Christian. He says, I've struggled with promiscuity. He says, I'm a liar, an alcoholic. I'm divorced. I'm envious of other people. I'm a people pleaser and I'm a braggart. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So here's a man who loves Jesus and he struggles in his own life. But Brendan said that, Brendan Manning said this. He says, gratitude is inclusive. He writes, at an AA meeting in Kinsale, Ireland, a man named Tony said, if I had to choose among all the diseases that afflict human beings, I would choose mine, alcoholism, because I can do something about it. At that meeting, as at each meeting, he introduced himself as a grateful recovering alcoholic. And when asked why, he said, because without the 12 steps of this program, I never would have found God. And likewise, in the book of Job, that that ruined man of God said, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And Brendan Manning goes on to write, says, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives, that's easy but to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard work, spiritual work, God transforming work. Still, we are only grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to this present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between the events and people we would like to remember and those we'd rather forget, we cannot claim the fullness of it being, of our life being a gift of God to be grateful for, grateful for. And he says, let's not be afraid to look at everything, everything that has brought us to where we are now 
and trust that we will soon see in it the guiding hand of a loving God. Giving thanks for everything, the good and the bad, all of it through the hands of a loving God, all of it transforming us and making us who God wants us to be, even though it hurts. Not easy, is it? No. Principle six is this. It gets a little bit lighter from here. We need to complain less to make room to give thanks more. What did, the, what did Jesus tell us? Is from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? The apostle Paul says, that from the same mouth should not come blessing and curse. That's James 3. The opposite of expressing gratitude is giving attitude. Teenagers, listen up. Your parents would love for you to know that they want from you a heart of gratitude. Parents, though, how many times do you look at your kids and say, I love you regardless of what you do? And I'm so thankful for you even when you disobey again. Do you do that, mom and dad? It's easy to look at my kids and say, I wish my kids today are so ungrateful, they're so entitled. But let's face it, adults, we kind of are too, right? If we're honest, yeah. Do you remember the Old Testament story of the Israelite people coming out of the wilderness? One of my favorite stories, Israelite people, they're delivered by God. God delivers them through all these amazing miracles through Moses. They get out of the wilderness. They've got an 11-day trek to get to the Holy Land. That's all it should take, 11 days by foot. And how long does it take them? Do you know why? Because they whine, moan, and complain the whole way there. Like a road trip the day before or after Thanksgiving. Seems to just go on and on and on. God had kept their shoes from wearing out. He had delivered them through all these miraculous events. And as they were leaving, the Egyptians blessed them and like gave them stuff. Go here, take all my money, take all of this too. And they get out and they're like, oh, God this and God that and Moses this and Moses that. But we wouldn't be like that, would we? No, no. You'd never complain because the turkey was overcooked and dry. I, th- I think it's the way Turkey's supposed to be, actually. So. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Including washing those dishes. Everything. Without complaining or arguing. Here's the thing. If, we, if, our, if our mouths and our lives are marked by complaining and arguing and whining and moaning because we have to clean our room or take out the trash or because our husband's sitting there watching football again or whatever it is, we're not making room for gratitude, for rejoicing. Doing everything without complaining or arguing is not gonna be easy. It won't. But if we're trusting God's goodness and power, then he's going to need us (laughs) to express that with our lips. God longs to transform us, doesn't he? He wants to take who we are in our natural state and make us who he wants us to be. And if we will submit our negative thought patterns to him, 
and say, you know, God, I want to complain right now, but I'm going to find a reason to rejoice in this right now. Then he's going to bless that. Principle seven is this. And this is the last one. Our gratitude needs to be vertical, directed towards God, giving him thanks, but also needs to be horizontal. I need to give thanks to God for all that he has blessed me with and all he has allowed me to go through. That's the hard part, right? But I also need to express gratitude to one another. You know how many churches have been undone because people grumble and whine and moan and complain? Too many. Do you know how many marriages have been undone because people are not grateful? Too many. In a recent study at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, about marital happiness, they discovered that marriages that have spouses that are happiest in the marriage have spouses who express gratitude frequently. In that same study, they took couples that dealt with a fair amount of um, unhappiness in their relationship, and they gave them a two-week challenge. They said, for 14 days, you need to demonstrate verbally and in written form or some sort of gifts or whatever, you need to show your spouse that you are grateful for them for the next two weeks. But the other partner didn't know this was happening. And they said, then they came in two weeks later with the other person, and the other person reported a greater sense of joy and satisfaction in their relationship just by gratitude being expressed. And the person who was expressing the gratitude also reported greater joy and satisfaction in their marriage. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times we say, I would show some gratefulness to my wife if she would just fill in the blank. I would be grateful and, and show some gratitude and say thanks to my husband if he would fill in the blank. But that's not the way gratitude works. We don't need to wait for somebody to do something for us to have a reason to show gratitude. We just need to show gratitude. And when we do that, it'll change the relationship. Kids, your parents are the worst parents ever. They don't listen. They don't understand you. I know. I know, right? Same? Yeah? Or at least when you're growing up, you think that. But if you could just find an opportunity over the next two weeks to show gratitude, you might find your parents are different people. Parents, the same for your kids. In your work, in your church, in your neighborhood. I've served on a couple of HOA boards in my lifetime. Don't recommend it. But I will say this, an HOA board that's focused on complaining and finding, fault finding with the neighbors, not a happy neighborhood. Another HOA board I, HOA boards I served on was all about, let's do cookouts, let's have fun, let's get to know our neighbors, let's show gratitude for these people God has put around us. That was a great HOA board. I love being on that one. You can change your environment by just the simple act of gratitude. If we really believe that Jesus is Lord of all, then we can give gratitude to him for all that he's given us and to one another. Some of us need to set in motion this week a practice of gratitude. I'm going to find a reason to say thanks. I, I recently started a job. I love my job, but I tend to be a, a, a critical thinker. I always see how things could be a little bit better. I think that way and about myself, about the church, about every job I've ever had. I'm always kind of, I don't think of myself as being critical. I'm a critical thinker. It's different. <laughs> oh, we, we self-deceive quite well, don't we? And one morning I woke up and I just realized, wow, I have this amazing job that I thoroughly love 
and I work with these people who are such a blessing to me. What am I doing? And I just said, you know what? I'm gonna find a reason every single day to express something I'm grateful for and show gratitude. And it, it changed it around real quick for me. Some of you need to do that starting this week, starting today. We need to be rejoicing always, praying continually. And for some of you, that's where you need to start. I need to start praying and saying, God, I know you're over this. I'm gonna seek your face and I'm gonna give thanks for these things and I'm gonna have joy. We're gonna have to set our intention. And, and grief work, I do a lot of work with people on grief. Um, I, I follow a, a, a philosopher, thinker on grief, and he says nobody heals without setting their intention to heal from their emotional wounds through grief. And I think the same is true with our, with our work around gratitude. We have to set our intention to be grateful people. It's not just gonna happen for most of us naturally. For some of you writing down maybe three things a day, every day, you write down three things every day over the next year that you're grateful for, that's a thousand things you're gonna have written on that list within a year, in less than a year. And I guarantee you we all have at least a thousand things to be thankful for. For some of us, we need to find a trusted friend, somebody who will say, you know what? I will hold you accountable. And when you whine, moan, complain, I will challenge you. Some of you, you know your phone rings and you're like, oh, here it goes. I wonder what she's gonna complain about today. Or you call somebody you're like, oh, let me give you the tea on this. You've got all the dirt, all the story. And some of you just need to say, you know, I'm not gonna do that. That's gonna stop. I'm gonna have a heart of gratitude, not an attitude. I'm gonna find some reason to rejoice, not to complain today. It's not gonna be easy, but Christ came to transform us, right? Give us hearts of gratitude. Well, let's not just do it on Thanksgiving Day. Let's do it throughout our entire lives. That's what he's called us to, church. Will you pray with me? Lord, we know that you are sovereign. You are Lord. And you tell us that you want us to be disciples who follow your lead and have hearts of gratefulness. God, we know that gratitude flows out of a recognition that you are in control and that you are good and we can trust you. And as a result, Lord, we can have thanks in the good things and the hard things. And we can show gratitude not just to you, but to those around us, for you have blessed us immeasurably more than we could even think or ask. And so God, help us to be like the one leper, not like the nine. Help us to be those who return to you and receive greater blessings, not just a healed body, but a transformed heart. That's the work you long to do in us. And we thank you for that. It's in Christ's name we pray. In the church.